one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay somebody reminded me of the meetings some of the meetings we've been in one at big spring where hundreds of people were saved and crowds came and they said my little girl was saved in that meeting many years ago and i went through big spring landed and talked to some of the converts that's been many years ago 1950 or 51 Taxi cabs would drive in front of the old tent and sit there and wait for the calls and listen to the gospel preach. Stirred the whole town. Little old boy, little old boy came uh, one day, got saved. And uh, we had a tremendous day service and where <clears throat> there was a lot of people that got saved. And this little old boy came back that night and uh, that after he got saved that day, and uh, he shook my hand and looked up at me with really a look of determination and victory. And he said, Brother Olaf, I forgot to tell you this afternoon when I got saved, I wanted to join this here tent. Yeah, he wanted to join that tent. I said, son, we don't have anything to join around here. But he said, I just, I, I just knew I got saved and I wanted to join it. Now, one little boy came down the aisle and this is what he said, I won't ever forget it. Tears is just a flowing down his face. And I'd preached on Jesus, climbing old Golgotha's hill. And uh, people got saved. And the little old boy came up. And he was weeping. I tell you, his little heart was broken. And he said, Brother Olaf, I want to help Jesus tote his load. Amen. I feel like God's people ought to be willing to help him tote his load. And to carry the load. And tonight... I want to speak on a word uh, that uh, has a lot of meaning. Would you turn with me, please, to the book of Titus? The book of Titus, chapter 3 and verse 5. Titus, chapter 3, verse 5. And I think it'd be good if we'd back up one verse and say, but after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared now then he's going to tell us how it appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
Now, if you were to go back to the second chapter, beginning at verse 11, you'll find one of the greatest pictures of the work of grace in the entire New Testament. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. How are we going to do that? That's not the end of that sentence. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. I thought as I read those verses, wouldn't it make a difference actually if we knew right now that today was our last day and in the morning for breakfast Jesus had come? Fact is, we wouldn't worry about breakfast, would we? What would you have to worry about if you knew that Jesus would come in the morning? And yet there's not a man on earth that can prove that Jesus is not coming by in the morning. I believe everything in this old book that needs to be fulfilled has been fulfilled. And I believe that about except one thing. Now, there's one thing that, I, that has not been fulfilled. You know what it is? The sound of the trumpet. Brother, that's about all we're waiting on. Now, what would you do? I mean, what change would you make tonight if you knew Jesus was coming? You'd, I think some of you'd say, well, I sure would want to get saved in this service tonight. I wouldn't want to be left here. And I'll promise you this. I don't know if any of our leaders or workers are going to be here to carry on. And so whoever wants this thing can have it. If you think we're now, we're interested in building, but I'll tell you, brother, when Jesus comes, I'm through. I mean, my work has been finished down here. When Jesus comes, and I don't believe in any sort of a split tribulation. I don't believe that uh, any of God's children are going to be left down here when Jesus comes. Every one of them is going to be picked up. And the world is going to go into the worst trouble it's ever had. We're bordering on it right now. The only kind of tribulation we're going to ever see will be pre-tribulation, and that's now. Right now. Now then, I want you to go to my text tonight. Not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according. I want to speak on the word according. You know, the Bible said they continued, and they were all together in one accord. Now, he's saying here, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. God didn't demonstrate his loving kindness to me because I was a good boy or because I was so fine, no sir, or neither you. But God demonstrated his love and salvation and kindness toward man according to his mercy. I want to talk on heaven's bank account, God's bank account. What does God have in the bank? Now, notice what he said. He said that he has saved us according to his mercy, by the washing 
a regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I suppose if you read the Bible and noted the good things of God, you've come to the same conclusion I've reached, and that is God's the most extravagant friend I've ever had. He overdoes everything he ever does. For instance, when Jesus uh, got ready to feed the multitudes, he didn't just have enough. There's 12 baskets full left over. The Lord never half-fills anybody's bucket. He always runs it over. Therefore, he said in um, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Everybody ought to memorize this verse. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And dear friend, if you really believe that scripture like it is, you'd realize that by the way you give, you're, 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 you're building your own bucket. Hey, you just don't give and you'll probably get something out of a thimble before you know it. He said according, see, to the way you give, that's the way. He said freely you've received, now freely give. According to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he said on us abundantly. Now turn with me, please, to Philippians. Chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4. I'll tell you what, if, if I don't know that verse, I'm going to have a hard time finding it here. Because my Bible has come apart in places. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that that doesn't ruin the Word of God, though. My God shall supply all your need according there comes his bank account. There comes his latest statement. I mean, heaven's uh, accounting department just dropped down his account. He said, according to what? His riches. According to his riches for bouts in Christ Jesus. Did you know that God deals with the world through his son? He's going to deal with the sinner through his son. He's dealing with everything. Did you know that you can only respect God as you respect Jesus? Did you know that you can only go to heaven as you receive Christ? He's the door. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And so he said, my God is going to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You let a man, anybody who's not a Christian has no right to expect God to supply all his needs. Not a bit. God promised to supply the needs of his children. Now, I believe everybody's got a father. You know, there are two ways. There's the right way and the wrong way. There's two roads, the broad and the narrow. There's two places to spend eternity, heaven and hell. And uh, there's two minds, the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. And there's two natures. And so uh, here we are. And people are making their own choice. Now, God said, I'm going to take care of my children. And the devil said, well, I look after mine but there's a side of difference in the way they treat each other. You think of what God does for his children. Why, can you imagine, can you imagine a herd of hippies filled with dope singing like y'all sang here tonight? Can you imagine 
any part of the devil's young people looking this clean and neat and nice and fine. You know, this country is so bogged down in tradition and custom. I can't imagine. I was talking to a friend of a certain school, and they voted for the girls and the boys just to wear anything or nothing. They said it's none of our business. Don't make any difference how many beards and hair and dirt and filth and and uh, it doesn't make any difference how anybody dresses. We're going to exercise or let them exercise complete freedom. And yet, I'll tell you something. People outside of Christ are never going to be free. Uh, people are in bondage to the world. And now then these, they think that they're going to set the young people free. Most of them are taking dope. Most of them are hooked on cigarettes and sin and immorality. And they say, we're going to set our young people free. My mother and daddy gave me whatever freedom I had. You know what my daddy did? He didn't talk about freedom and liberty. He just said, son, there's certain things I'll let you do, certain things you can't do. And so that's freedom I had. Now, did you know it turned out later that my daddy, though he was the strictest man in our community and made Melvin, Edel, and Lester work harder than any three boys in Nevada County that I know of, I mean, we got up before soon, and we went to bed, I mean, worked till after late. Now, we'll forget my daddy. When the 10-hour workday came out, I want you to know my dad nearly just blew every fuse he had. I never, I tell you, my dad got so much. He said, can you imagine that? Just 10 hours a day. Boy, I tell you, he, he kind of cut his eyes at me and Melvin and, and Edel, he said, I better not catch you coming to the house at 6 o'clock in the evening. Of course, we wasn't figuring on it anyhow. I mean, we'd already been taught. I mean, we didn't know you're supposed to quit before sundown, between sundown and dark. We just thought that was an automatic quitting time. I mean, that was the whistle <laughs> that sort of closed the day. Ah, uh, listen. But did you know what? Our country has gone right down the road of socialism. We got a socialistic state. That's right. And they're going to operate this country until she drops off into hell. They're not in freedom. Farmer doesn't have any freedom anymore. He can't plant what he wants to plant. He got to do what they tell him. Didn't have sense enough, you know, to let the land rest when we ought to let it rest. God told us how to farm. We wouldn't do it. Now then, Uncle Sam had to come along in a socialistic state and tell us what to do. And look what a mess we're in now. I'm just thinking driving out here. This old ground around here drives powder. People still scratch it. And I notice the hair and, and, and you know, just, uh, I guess, just kind of plowing the clods, you know. But and they think, but listen, we haven't had any rain. I don't know. It seemed like I heard the Lord say, and I said, Lord, couldn't you just send us a rain and let us grow a garden? He said, son, tell that liquor crowd voted liquor in the irrigate with liquor. Said, oh, me, I don't want no cats growed in liquor. But I thought I heard him talk like that. Said, well, they voted liquor in. Let them use liquor. They want to have saloons, and they want all that filth back, and then they want me to bless them. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and then I'll heal that old land. Brother, this land's not going to be healed until we get people saved. 
and the church gets back to God. God's cutting down on our allowance. But you notice what he said? My God will supply all your need, all your need, according to his riches in glory. Don't forget the little word according. Turn with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to land in the middle of the greatest experience that any man I think ever had. This man becomes the head of the music department of the Bible. God called him a lawyer, called his name Moses. He called him a music man, put him in heaven's music conservatory. And uh, he called him a theologian, called his name Paul. God put everything in the Bible that we need. Want to see what he said? Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me through it from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. That's where the trouble started, right there. I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Notice the ninth verse. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted to thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. Let's stop there and see who's doing the talking. What's this fellow's name? We call him David. You say, where did he came, come from? He came from the house of Jesse among many boys. He was, he was Jesse's little shepherd lad who was a brave boy, had great courage. His dad put him in charge of his sheep. And on one occasion, he killed a lion. On another occasion, he killed a bear, said nothing about it. On another occasion, his dad sent him up to the battleground. And he was up there and saw his big old brothers trembling in their boots. And there's a big old giant up on the hill up there cussing all of God's people. About like the world now. Blaspheming. Oh, listen, you talk about. And he was trying to get somebody to come fight him. He was the champion. He was the champion. And nobody would go meet him. And David uh, looked up there and volunteered his service. And said, I'd like to accept his challenge. They laughed at him. And uh, he finally got him convinced that he meant business. And David uh, was called into the presence of the king. King Saul, in his magnanimous palace, the first king that Israel ever had. And uh, they, uh, he called him in and said, I imagine, son, what's on your mind? He said, that big old giant up there said, somebody needs to really bury a stone in his head. Well, he said, son, you don't fight like that. He said, I would if you'd give me permission. So he said, son, you just don't fight a giant. Uh, what do you got to fight with? He pulled out a little old slingshot and waved it around, said, up there. Huh? Amen. He, he said, that's all I know how to use, but I'll tell you one thing, I can really use that. King said, oh, son, said, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let you go out. Why, he'd, he'd mash you in the ground. I mean, he'd thump your head off. 
Why, he said, did you see how big he was? David said, yeah, that just makes him fall a lot harder. See, David meant business. David, see, David already had an encounter with the Lord somewhere. Did you know that? I mean, you just don't meet a giant that's nine feet tall with a slingshot and expect to kill him unless you expect God to help you. And so King Saul said, well, son, I, there's one thing I believe you a mighty brave boy, and I really admire you for it, and I'm going to give you permission. Now, if you want to go fight him, I tell you, I've been, uh, I've, been, I've been trying to get somebody to go up there and kill him, but I mean, nobody will accept his challenge because they look at how big he is. And he said, well, come here a minute. I'm sure going to give you the best I've got. And he took him in there and opened the big clothes closet, you know, and boy, there was the king's armor. Oh, isn't that a tremendous opportunity for little David? He never knew when he left home he'd be putting on the king's armor before he got back. I can see him calling his old soldiers and said, put it on him now. Boy, they hung that on him, you know, and oh, listen, man, he had all of it. And I tell you, he stomped around there a little bit, you know, and uh, it, uh, he said, sir, I really appreciate this. Of course, I know a lot of people, I think, that would rather die in the king's armor than to win with a slingshot. Huh? That's right. And, but he said, uh, he said, I, I haven't tried this out. But he reached in and pulled out. He said, I've tried that now. I know what to do with this. I really do. He said, son, I tell you, it's just suicide. That's all. But he said, if you're determined to go fight him, you may go. David said, thank you for the privilege. And he walked out across that brook and reached down and picked up five little stones and looked at them and put them in his pocket, made sure his big gun was back there, that old slingshot. And he started up the hill, didn't he? And that old giant looked down and saw the little midget coming. Oh, listen, listen. He said, what in the world are they sitting up here to fight me? Why, he said, I'll pitch you. I mean, you're through, little man. And old David reached in there and pulled out that slingshot and got some of that ammunition that he picked up in the brook and put it in there. And he said, I want to let you know one thing. I'm not coming to you in the name of David. I'm not coming to you in the name of the slingshot. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And the only way in the world you're going to keep from getting killed is just to kill the Lord of hosts in the next few moments because me and him fixing to get after you. Amen. He put that little old, that little old stone in that slingshot and round and round and round and round. Amen. And turned it loose. And you talk about one more stroke. Old Goliath had it. Busted him in the head sunk the stone in his head, and he fell dead. And David looked up that old tough, rotten neck of his, and he said, I'm supposed to get his head, and I haven't got a thing to cut his head off with. And he used the giant's sword and cut off his head. And I imagine by the hair of his head, he went down and dropped his head down in the presence of all that bunch of scared brothers of his. He went according to the promise. God told him to do it. And he did it. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. You may listen to the preaching and the special music of the Family Altar Program 24 hours a day when you visit our ministry website, roloff.org. We love hearing from our listeners. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, 
please write to us at Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. Again, that's Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. This broadcast is made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. Thank you for partnering with us, and remember that Christ is the answer.